0: If you'll take your Bibles, please, and turn to the first book of the first chapter of the book of John. We're nearly to the end of the prologue of John's Gospel, one of the most amazing pieces of, of writing because it's about the most amazing subject matter. John was trying in words to ex- describe to people the living God who lived on earth. That was his friend. He was thundersmacked to try to be able to explain just who he knew and to, to be able to do justice to it. How do you do justice to the Lord of glory? How do you do justice to our creator? And so the, the words here are of serious breadth and monumental. Um, you can see that it's, it's hearkening back to Genesis where he talks about the beginning. Before the beginning was, something happened, something was, something was already in existence. And this is the man that Jesus, that, that, that he knew as Jesus, his friend. So let's read from, um, from chapter 1 uh, through verse 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, that he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have received, and grace for grace, for the law was given by Moses, But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So this week we are in chapter 1, verse 16. And 16 says, And of his fullness we have received, and grace for grace. don't know if I can do it but there isn't any easier this is about as, as easy as it could possibly be to preach grace upon grace grace after grace grace piled on grace grace replacing grace and that that is why that we see God's glory because he gave us grace that's just that's amazing it's just it's just amazing how do we even how do we even comprehend the fact that God did not choose us that we might be good, but that through his grace, he chose us anyway. And will do as he pleases in this world and will form a kingdom of limitless multitudes of people who will love Jesus Christ more than their own lives. Will love Jesus Christ more than their own reputations, more than their own money, more than their family kindred. More than anything that could be imagined or fought over by unchristless people. So I just see that God's grace is something that that helps us to to come into an understanding. So I want to I want to start with with just what a grace is. Grace is unmerited favor. But I have to add to that. I, I've heard that it's unmerited favor, that I don't deserve the favor God gives me. But that's not the true story. It's unmerited favor to one who has merited wrath. All, all I have earned all of my life, every moment of my life, every, every breath in and every breath out, is that God would enrage, destroy me forever, perpetually destroy me. And, and be fine with it. It would be totally righteous, that it wouldn't be wrong. It would be right that when you see me judged, not a, not a person on this earth, not my dearest dearest relations would not say he should go to hell. There's not anybody that would, would be able to say, well, he was so good and he did so many nice things and he was such a nice person. No, nobody will be of any, of any misunderstanding. When you know that all you deserve is hell and then you're not given hell, that's grace amazing. But that's nothing to what the gospel says. The gospel is that I'm treated like Jesus Christ, given Jesus Christ's total prize, that I will share everything that is his and I will share his throne forever forever. That I'm treated as a son and adopted completely, not put on probation and not endured by a God who's tolerating me, but totally loved and accepted. That I do not now nor forever will I ever offend God because all of my hateful sins, the sins I committed today and the sins I will commit today, are all gone Because Jesus lived in my place, was accepted in my place, and died in my place. And God is okay with that. That is enough. That is sufficient for a holy God. So grace, grace means not that I don't get what I deserve, but that I get what I do not deserve. And when you look at all of the things that touch grace in your life, you will not be able to count that high. You won't be able to count that high. Because then you recognize it, grace is the things that you thought of as the most wonderful things. But grace is the most mundane of things. Grace are the breakfasts that you don't remember. Grace, Grace are the evenings that you that you talk and don't have anything amazing going on. Grace is, is the, the times that God rescued you dramatically. And grace is the times that you had a windfall and that you, you have love and you, and you have what you want. And grace is the times that God gets you through when you don't have what you want. Grace is God living in you when he shouldn't. And that takes a savior as big as God Almighty. It takes a savior way bigger than most people think. Because for God to treat me as though I was good as he is. And God can't lie. He's not unrighteous. He cannot fraudulently call me good when I'm not. It's against everything that belongs to God. Instead, he took someone perfectly good and killed him and counted it in my place. So I'm perfectly, perfectly judged. The same as if I go to hell for eternity. The same. Only, I don't think it's the same. If I were to go to hell for eternity and suffer misery endless and uncountable, if in a hundred billion years... Above the door of my flames would just say, "He will be damned, and will will be future forever and ever and ever." That is what I deserve. But Jesus, because He lived in my place, God only treats me with kindness. The loving kindness that is God is directed to me for Jesus' sake, and that is enough for a holy God. I, I'm stupefied. I can't believe it. So this verse, verse 16, says, let me read from 14. Let me kind of pull where we have been. We camped three weeks in verse 14. And the word was made flesh. Jesus Christ, God himself, became a man and dwelt among us, moved into our lives, moved into our realm, sat under God's Judgment sat sat under the fall of man, sat under the thorns. The the God who created the world was crowned with the thorns that grew out of the curse of the world. That's amazing. And he did it because it was God's will that he create a people for his son of such love. And there is no other way. You save me and let me know even the smallest degree of what I was saved from. And suddenly, it's not duty. You don't have to force me to do anything. It's an overflow of my heart that just just bursts out. It's a river of life flowing out of me unto eternal life. It's not something that I force myself to do. It's not me holding my tongue in the right way. It's not me counting to ten over and over again forever. It is simply expressing my love and thanksgiving to a God who I know loves me when he shouldn't. For Jesus' sake. So it says in, in 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we beheld, John said, the glory of Jesus Christ, the glory of God himself, the glory that no one should ever see, the glory that Moses begged to see. We saw it day after day after day after day. We saw it when nobody was looking. And we saw and are testifying to you, this is God who lived with us. And it says in 15, it pulls the prophet again. John, bear witness of him and cried, this is of whom I spake. He that comes after me is preferred for me, for he was before me. And then verse 16, and of his fullness we have received and grace for grace. Fullness. It says that Jesus was full. Now, that's inexpressible. It's inexpressible. Paul to the Corinthians said, let me tell you of the inexpressible gift, which is one of the funniest statements ever written. Let me tell you about the inexpressible gift. Let me tell you about the gift of God to us that can't be described by words. Let me simply live it out. Let me proclaim it. Let the Holy Spirit do the miracle to let your heart know what it means, even in the smallest degree. The inexpressible gift that God has shown grace to us in Jesus Christ. And we beheld his glory. It said that he was full in every aspect. In Colossians 2, it says that the fullness of the Godhead was in Jesus Christ bodily. That everything that is God, all of it, it was God's will that the man, Jesus Christ, would have a fullness of God. That the, what we call a mystery, it can't be described. It, it's not a cute statement to say that it can't be described. A mystery of God is that God has shown us certain things about himself, but not everything about himself. We only need those things that will save our souls, and then he will delight us with knowing him forever. We don't know enough to say this is who God is. We can say these are his attributes. God is holy, and Jesus was holy, and God is kind, and Jesus is kind, and God is truthful and never, never lying, and Jesus is, and God is tolerant, and God is 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 waiting, and God holds back his wrath, and Jesus is that. But Jesus is more than just the attributes of God. You can't just say Jesus is infinitely better than someone trying to be good. It's it's not an infinite multiplied times. Jesus was the essence of who God is in human body, that though he was a person, everything that is God, all of it, never stopped being in the Lord Jesus. And so he was infinite in his understanding. He knew everything. And there is mystery in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is unexplainable passages when Jesus said, the Son of Man doesn't know the day or the hour when he will come back to earth. Well, is it As God, he would have known. Do you see? There is mystery of how that at that moment his God nature did not communicate because it was essentially none of our business and none of our concern. When does it matter when Jesus will come back? To the listeners, that his listeners, it was essentially it does not matter. But there is nothing he doesn't know. He understands fully everything. It says that he was full of all blessings, that there's nothing that, is not, that, that Jesus did not do. If He reigns on the fields of the just and the unjust. Everybody that, everybody that receives anything good in this life came directly from Jesus Christ, though they don't acknowledge him. They don't love him. They don't accept him. They, they reject him. They hate him. He told the prophet Hosea, I want you to marry a woman who will not be faithful to you. And when she leaves you and goes to, to whatever her next lover is and he tires of her and she starts becoming hungry, I want you to go to, to Walmart and I want you to get her everything she needs and take it to her, though she left you though it's absolutely right that you never speak to her again, that you stone her in the streets. It's completely right. But I want you to protect her. I want you to provide for her. I want you to love her, though she doesn't even know. And he goes on in chapter 2 of Hosea to say, she is in bed with everyone. She doesn't know that I'm the one that bought her her oil and bought her wine and takes care of her and pays her bills. She doesn't know. But see, that's who God is. That's who God is. God is the one who chases us down when we don't love him. All men have grace every day of their lives. You've never known, even if you don't know God, even if you're hell-bound as you could be, if you've never known God at all, you've never known the wrath of God, ever. That's grace. That's grace extended to man because Jesus was a man, because Jesus was a man, God extends grace to men. And when the angels lit up the sky, it said peace to men, to all men. Because God has chosen to put his favor on us. Now, if you reject him, you will go to your place. But that grace is. Will be, it'll be such a surprise because it would be like a fish that had never been out of the water before. You'll never know what it's like to not have God, though you hate him. You, you'll never know. And if you have loved him, you couldn't leave him because to know who he is and what he's done in your life, to know the kindness that he's extended to you day by moment by moment, all of your life, do as you please, God, with me. There's nothing you could do that's too much to ask. I'm fine with whatever you do. That is a simply believing heart. Because it's not that I get any any merit. There's no merit in my faith. It's simply I believe what I'm looking at, and God has given me eyes to see that God is kind to men through Jesus Christ. And I'm free. And when I'm free, and I know I'm free, there's joy unspeakable. It just bubbles up in your heart. You don't have to force yourself to do anything. It's, it's just elation. And suddenly the worst labor becomes easy. And the, the worst enemy becomes someone that you are kind to. And it's not that you're trying to make yourself kind to them. Jesus was kind to you. And you were worse of an enemy to Jesus than any enemy you have. To you, and so He's the source of all blessings. He is blessing; He's God's blessing to the world, and He's the he, and He's also the source of all wisdom. That He's full of wisdom, all wisdom and and knowledge is through Jesus Christ. You want to know? You want to know how the world works? Jesus Christ is the only one that can let you truly see the real world. As the, as the edges of this world are rolled up and you can see behind the edges of this world and you know what's real and you know that it's not, it's not your, your third cousin on your mother's side that always hated you since you were kids, that they're your enemy. Absolutely not. We don't wrestle against principalities or powers. We wrestle against, against heavenly principalities and powers. Thing, our enemy is not people. So you can look directly into the person who would kill you and love them because God has showed you grace. That, that is, that's truly amazing. So God's grace, he's the fullness. That's the first thing it said. The second thing I see from 16 is that we have received it. We are the ones who received that fullness. The fullness of, of Christ has come into us, had something to do with us. We have received of the fullness. So something that is true of God has come into me. And strange or not strange, the longer you have loving God, the more you will become like Jesus in your person, your the way you act, the way you think. Everything changes. There is a progression of sanctification in your life because you know Jesus. Now, you you can thwart that. You can sit on that. You can disobey, and you can act as you please. You have the ability to act as you please. You can today not honor God, though your soul is saved. How dare you? You could do that. Why? Do you see? You meet together on a Sunday morning because Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday morning. And you meet with other people not any better than you are. Why? So that you can stir up love and good works in each other. So that you can remind each other of the grace that's been shown you because we'll forget. We listen to the music of this world all the time. We breathe the air of this world with every breath. And we act like the world all the time. And if God's word is not permeating in us, there is no faith, there is no change, there is no sanctification. We live like a walnut that that never got any water and will be dry for a 100 years before it sprouts. And that does bring dishonor to the God who loves you. And so as I am dead... It's something I can do something about. It's not, it's not the deadness of my heart because I was raised from the dead. Now when I see deadness in me, it's an obedience issue. It truly is. Am I willing to obey God? Am I willing to do those things that God has shown me? Am I thankful or not? And do you see, I need somebody else to kick me in the tail and show me, Brian, look at what God has done in your life. Look at what you've been given. Look at what you've never been given. Don't you love him? Isn't he worthy? Isn't he worthy of your day? Isn't he worthy of your thoughts? Isn't he worthy? Don't you care? Do you see it? That's what a Christian does. A Christian ministers to each other. That's a ministry. It's not a. It's not a force fitting. It's not. It's not a looking down. There's no elevation. All of us are equal. We're just as saved as Billy Graham. We're just as saved. We're just as saved as Paul or Peter. There's no, there's no elevation that we've not been given. We, we are, we are to preach so that each person who loves God will reach the fullness of Jesus Christ, grow up into full maturity. Do you see? We have received of the fullness and there's something happening in us as we work in each other's life to do something to make us more useful. Why would we not be useful in a town that's dying? Why would we not do something? Why would we not wake up? You sleeper awake and Christ will shine on you. That it, it is not being bullied by each other. You look as a, as a pauper enjoying the meal. And showing other paupers what they've been done to them. What's been given to them. That's all it is. And that is what a Christian does. And that fullness of Christ is to us. And we've received it. And that reception of God's grace allows us to see his glory. And the glory that we see becomes everything to us. And it changes our life. You see God's glory. You're not the same. You'll never be the same. You won't forget it. It's not. It's not a philosophy. It's not something you added. It's not something you studied in junior high. It is something that is. It is everything to you more than your food, more than your breath. It's sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. It's what you desire. It's what you were made for. It's what you want. But because we have been lulled to sleep by Satan, we don't know. We forget. We we look away from the mirror and forget what we look like and God's word reminds us and it's God's word doesn't say you're ugly and worthless he said God is everything and has chosen to treat you kindly in Jesus sake do you see i have no ability in myself but there's nothing nothing at all that the church cannot do nothing at all nothing nothing off limits there is miracles to be lived out if we'll, if we'll simply live in thanksgiving, responding to God's grace, but to know it. Now, this world loves grace and hates truth. And you can't live your life loving grace and living like the devil. You're a fraud. If you sin, John, the same John says in the letter, then if you continue to sin, then you are a liar. And the and and the love of God has never been in you. It's that idea that as you look directly into God's face, you drop your idols. You and you want to follow Him. I awoke, the dungeons flamed with light. For to be able to see for the first time and my my door of my prison cell open, and I got up and followed Jesus at the expense of everything for me, at the expense of all that I have. And I got the best end of the bargain. So he is full and we've received his fullness. Now, verse 16 says, and we have, and of his fullness we have received and grace for grace. (laughs) The ocean, you stand at the ocean. And you see one wave followed by another wave, and one wave comes out, and then the the water recedes, and then another wave comes in. And you look farther out, and you can't see the waves. It looks like a flat ocean. And you're like, maybe maybe it's all gone. Maybe my grace is used up. Maybe this is it. Maybe God never loved me at all. And then it doesn't matter how long you wait or how long you stare at the horizon— The next wave comes in and the water comes out and the next wave comes in. And you have to realize it's God's honor to pour on you, to lavish on you, to spend for you. Don't think he thinks about the cost. He's given us his son. Why would not he give us all things? He destroyed the Lord of life for us. Why would he not pour good things into our mouth every day? And before the one has gone out, before I've even said thank you, the next one comes in. And how many thankless graces have poured on my head without me even acknowledging because I'm so self-centered and I so look at myself and want more. I'm just like everybody else because I'm a sinner like everybody else. You have to see Jesus. And as you're looking into the face of Jesus, there's nothing you want. It's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Piled forever and always. And in a year you will have had more grace than you could count. And within a million years, it will be never started yet. The grace that will come upon you will have never started Because above the door of heaven it will say, Thou shalt be saved. And will is future forever. And you will be saved. And that means that God will spend his inexhaustible amount on the person that he has chosen to put his love on. And it makes glory to him. It does not bring glory to us. We are paupers. That's why we look out of our eyes knowing our own sins that God knows not. God does not remember your sins. You remember your sins so that you know how to act towards your people that do not yet know God. But God does not know your sins and says, I want to give more. 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 So when we look at Jesus Christ, we have an amazing amount of graces and i, I to, to enumerate them i just I, I they're paltry and 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 ridiculous i wrote he brings us to faith it's a grace for me to know that my that i've offended god it's a grace if i don't know that i've offended god if i don't know that things are wrong between me and god then what do i do i fake it I, I somehow think it's okay, or I, I, as long as I'm better than some people, I, I will follow into the same track that everybody else falls into. But he brings me to faith. He comforts me in my affliction. He often does not remove all affliction because he's weaning us from this world. This is almost heaven. It ain't good enough. It's not. And it would bring dishonor for God to think, for us to think, that this is good enough. Because everything that he is has not yet been poured on us. So he comforts us in our affliction so that we can comfort others who are afflicted. Because we are his ambassadors. That's how it works. He encourages us in our weakness. He doesn't remove our weakness. Do you know how many times I've prayed for the gift of basketball? <laughs> oh, God, give me the gift of basketball. Let me make this three-point shot so that the kids will think I'm awesome. And then I'll, I'll tell them about the Lord and they'll... What an idiot. God lets me fail dramatically. And then he gets the glory for my life. Because in my your weakness, in your weakness is my grace made known. My power is made known through your weakness. Not because you don't have weakness. Not because you're excellent and awesome. Not because no one thinks there's anything wrong with you. But because you still will triumph God's grace into this world. Still, despite what you think is your inabilities. Even those things God will use. He supplies all of our needs. My God will supply all your need according to his riches. How rich is God? According to his riches, everything you need. You don't have to worry about that. Now, your lusts, God will let you stew in your lusts for the rest of your life and be fine with it, in complete love of you, and you're, like, frustrated because you want like everybody else wants. Then, as the older you get, the more you realize, keep this whole world. Keep it. Keep me Jesus. Keep it all. I would rather have Jesus than anything than houses or land, than to be the king of a vast domain? No, because he has let me know who he is. That's grace. Otherwise, I'd be clueless. I would be evil and wicked and clueless, hating and being hated until I died and went to hell. That's grace. It's grace that we breathe. He Romans 5 says, it's the grace that you stand in. It's the grace you stand in. The the That you don't know what it's like to not have grace. It's the air that surrounds you. It's grace behind you. It's grace in front of you. It's grace above you. It's grace below you. There's nothing that God sees because you are in Christ where all blessings are. Because God loves Jesus Christ. I don't know why that's not preached. That is the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is God loves Jesus Christ. And he will exalt Jesus Christ, and we are the beneficiaries of that exaltation. That's the gospel, and suddenly now I'm not the center of everybody's attention. It's God who's the center of everybody's attention, and suddenly now that's the way it should be, and I love it, and I would rather have it that way than any other way. I, I wrote this verse. This is Second Peter chapter 1 according as his divine power has given us all things that, depend, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to glory and virtue. He called us to glory and he called us to virtue. We're to live like he lives and we are will be glorified. He called us to that. And so for that reason, he supplies us with everything we need to live a holy, godly life in this sewer that we live in. You can live a godly life. You can be useful in your generation. You do not have to be irrelevant. You do not have to be irrelevant. You, if you want it, can honor God that way. And that brings God God glory. I wrote, he gives us joy in our journey. We're pilgrims. We don't live here. We don't own a single foot breadth of this place. The earth that you will see one day is not this earth. This earth will melt with fervent heat and every element in it will go. Those beautiful mountains that you think are the most spectacular thing you've ever seen will melt into the ocean as the planets hurl through the sky into the sea. It won't be what you think it is. But I promise when you live here where you don't even need a son anymore, you will be, it will be like continuous electrocution all your life in the most joy that you can imagine. I want what God has for me, and eye is not seen and ear is not heard, neither is entered into the hearts of man that which he has prepared for those who love him. But it says, we have received grace for grace. And the last one I wrote is, he lavishes us with his love. He, he lavishes, that means pours out with no thought of cost, love upon us for Jesus' sake. So if you have a Savior, if you have Jesus that God would treat you kindly for his sake, you have grace upon grace upon grace. And if you don't, you have the grace that called a preacher to preach the word. And by hearing comes faith. And that faith gives you eyes to see. And that eyes to see gives you the ability to look right into the face of God, knowing that you're not condemned. It's it's inexpressible. It's an inexpressible gift. Let's pray. We love you, God our Father, and we love you, O Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we love you, dear Holy Spirit, that enlivens us and corrects us and teaches us to say no to ungodliness. That this grace that we stand in is is one that we'll never know anything else we'll never know what it's like to not be your friend because you have called us with an everlasting love, that Jesus, who was our Savior before time started, has never allowed us to know anything but your love. We ask that, that we would live well in your sight, that we would please you in our secret selves, that our public selves would be in, in tune with who we are in you. That you would give grace for faith? Would you let people hold on to you by faith? Would you give them the, the knowing that their sins are forgiven because Jesus died and that that's it? Would you enliven us? Would you, would you restore us? Would you revive us? Would you help us to do something in this town? Would you give us even greater grace that we might spend it? And be spent in our lifetime. And may Jesus receive all the honor and glory and blessing for here and forever. Amen.